It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone, it's your host Edward Ford and welcome to the Growth of Podcast, the show about all things B2B SaaS marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Advanced B2B, the growth marketing agency that helps B2B SaaS businesses generate sustainable revenue growth through marketing. So if you're looking for an agency partner who will help you get measurable results from your marketing, then check out advancedb2b.com for more info. Now, joining us today on the show is Hilary Kay, CMO at Wibbits. And in this episode, we're talking about how to evolve your marketing strategy from a sales-led enterprise model to a product-led hybrid model. This is a transition Wibbits went through about one and a half years ago, and it's something many SaaS companies are looking at today. In this episode, Hillary shares her story and experiences, including why Wibbits made the change, what some of the signs and indicators are that you should make this transition, and the impact it has on understanding your target audience, your customer lifecycle, and the marketing tactics and channels you use. Hillary also discusses the impact it has on sales and marketing alignment, product and marketing alignment, and the marketing team's structure. So there's all this and a whole lot more on episode 73 of the Growth of Podcast with Hilary Kay, CMO at Woodits. Welcome to another episode of the Growth of Podcast, and it's my pleasure to welcome Hilary Kay to the show, who is CMO at Wibbits. So Hilary, thank you so much for joining us today here on the Growth of Podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be a super relevant episode for many listeners since we're hearing how to evolve your marketing strategy from a sales-led to a product-led hybrid model. So I was thinking to kick things off, why did you transition from a traditional sales-led enterprise model to a product-led model? Yeah, um, so I think this is probably something that a lot of companies are contemplating right now. I think PLG is is uh, definitely a pretty hot topic. Um, we actually considered making this transition for a while. Uh, we made the decision the decision to actually to move forward on it in April of last year, though. So. Um, sort of right when the world was shutting down, uh, I, I'd say ca- uh, COVID was sort of a catalyst for us uh, making the the leap. Um, but we did we did think about making the change for a while, um, and our approach for uh, product led growth is a more of a hybrid strategy. So um, just want to preface it by saying that we still do have an inside sales team. We still do have account managers. Um, but I, our company strategy is product led versus the enterprise, um, model that we had before. Um, so the three, uh, I'd say the three main reasons we decided to make this change were trends in just how people are buying, um, and sort of what they're expecting in the buying process. Uh, second being our product. So sort of just how people are actually using our product, the essence of it, and also um, more of a business strategic uh, reason improving our efficiency um, within, you know, uh, spend within the company. So to kind of elaborate on on those three, um, when I say trends in buying behavior, I think this is something if we really think about ourselves and how we're evaluating tools and um, and making purchasing decisions today that we can resonate with, that people are really looking to um, 
to, to make purchases independently. Um, they're looking for a more sort of low friction process. And most people want to actually understand and experience the value of a product before they spend money. I think it's something we're getting more and more accustomed to, not just being told how we can be successful with a product, but actually experiencing that ourselves before we we make a purchase. And that's not just uh, you know consumer tools or things that you're using in your everyday life. It's things you're using at work. Um, I think you know we have some big examples like Slack or Zoom, of course, Zoom being the quintessential one for COVID, um, that you can understand how impactful and valuable Zoom can be without spending any money. So that's something we just observed um, you know, in the market, in the larger B2B market as a whole, but also within our target audience. Um, the second product. So we, I think when you're making this decision, you really have to, to think about what your product is, how it, how it works, what the onboarding experience is, um, sort of how complex is it for someone to understand that value. There are definitely products out there that probably aren't best for a product-led growth strategy. Um, those that are incredibly complex that require a huge amount of integrations. Um, but at the same time, you still see, you know, companies like MongoDB who have introduced a more product-led motion um, into their strategy. So for us at Wibbits, our uh, tool is meant to be easy. Uh, basically, our goal is to reduce the barrier to entry when it comes to video. So we want to make it simple for pretty much, you know, any content creator on a marketing team at a publisher to just jump right in and start creating video without needing a lot of handholding, without needing prior experience. So if you just kind of think of that description, it fits very well for a self-service model. Um, we want people to be able to get right into our product, to understand how they can start creating videos. So that was a, a big reason as well. Just really thinking, does our product work for a PLG model? Uh, and then the last is... Uh, more of a business uh, strategic decision. And I think this is kind of, you know, the COVID where COVID comes into play um, being the catalyst. So we wanted to be, we wanted to put ourselves in a very um, uh, strong position going into, you know, sort of when the pandemic began, because there were a lot of unknowns, a lot of questions. So we just really spent time thinking about our models, thinking about our projections and trying to figure out, you know, how can we put ourselves in, in um, the strongest place possible? So what we decided is that we do believe we can reduce sort of the, the touch points within our sales process, which will lower our acquisition costs and ultimately just, uh, you know, put ourselves, put our business in an even healthier place. Um, so that was the, the third reason there. Yeah, that's great to hear. And it definitely makes a lot of sense. So following from this, how can marketers identify if and when it's time to shift your go-to-market strategy to product-led? So what are some of the signs? Yeah, um, I as a marketer, I think, you know, I, I'm very excited about product-led because I think that marketing, and I think we maybe can dive into it a little bit more later on, but we play a very important role in the entire uh, customer lifecycle. So as a marketer, some of the, the things you can look for and to help sort of um, 
position your reasoning and, and support the, you know, if you are trying to sort of sell this internally and looking at your audience. So, you know, marketers are probably the, the team within your company that is thinking most about audience target persona on a daily basis. If you're coming from a more maybe enterprise, um, structured, uh, org, so if you're looking at that target audience, you're understanding how are people uh, purchasing, like I was talking about before, that's something that you can raise internally um, and showing other examples within your space um, in, in, you know, that other companies that have adapted a, a, a product-led approach. Um, our target audience actually did not change when we transitioned to a PLG company. I think that it is ha it has expanded just because our product is much more accessible. Um, but our ICP is still, uh, you know, like I was saying, content creators. So once you are thinking about your ICP, um, you're trying to maybe prove your point that this is a trend within your target audience market. Um, I mentioned this, but drawing on the, the competition and, and the market landscape as a whole. So looking at what other leading companies in your space, um, what, what approach they're taking for us, for example, HubSpot, I think is a great example uh, within the marketing world that was a strictly, you know, enterprise inside sales uh, model and then adapted a product-led growth motion. So trying to just have a, a larger uh, picture and understand what other companies in your space that are targeting your, your target audience are doing. Um, and then the the next is just looking at your, you know, your standard metrics. Um, so looking at conversion rates through the funnel, uh, your website conversion rate, your conversion rate, uh, you know, handing off from an MQL to an SQL, and just trying to understand if there's any fluctuations there. So for us, uh, when we transitioned our to uh, to offer a self service option on our website, um, so instead of just having you know your standard demo request setting up a call with a sales team to actually allowing people to sign up for our product on our website. Uh, we saw a incredible change in our, our website conversion rate before it was about 2%. Now it's hovering between 15 to 20%. So I recommend just actually looking at some of these standard metrics that you're looking at every day um, and come up with some scenarios of, of, you know, looking at benchmarks within the industry and seeing how that might work for your business um, in order to kind of paint that picture on uh, the, the impact that it could have on marketing, but obviously on the larger business. Wow, that's a really impressive spike and jump in website conversion rate. And you spoke about target audiences and let's break down the go-to-market model and how your strategy should evolve. So what does this mean in terms of understanding your target audiences since users are now decision makers too? Yeah, I think uh, this is a great, great question. Um, I know that, uh, you know, we're, we're all trying to really understand our user, understand the target audience. And it does, you know, you do have to think about it differently uh, with a PLG model. You're putting most of your focus on the end user. 
Uh, so probably a lot of us are familiar with, you know, you have your decision makers at the business or the, the company that you're targeting, and then you have users. Um, and often in a, you know, with an enterprise sales approach, those are two different people. But as you're saying, with a PLG motion, you, these are now becoming the same person. So thinking much more about your product and the experience that a person has with your product is essential to understanding who that target audience is, right? Because you are speaking directly to the people who are using the product every day and who happen to be the ones who are you know, putting in their credit card at, you know, at the end of the day and making the decision whether they want to buy or not. So it's essential that your users are falling in love with your product. That's really like your number one goal. You want your users to understand. And when I say users, I'm talking about uh, both trial users, but also people who have ended up purchasing and are now an existing customer. So I think as a marketer, to really put that in a more central focus, this, um, really thinking about the experience around your product is a pretty big shift for a lot of marketers who have worked in a more um, standard enterprise structure. Um, you know, you're you're probably with you know in our in a in an enterprise model, you're thinking more around the decision makers, their you know what their their motivators are within the business, how they're making those purchasing decisions, um, and enabling your sales team to then try to uh, sell the the buyer on why your solution is the right fit. With a PLG approach, you're actually speaking directly to those people. And at the end of the day, it's all about the product. So you really want to focus a lot more um, on that and, and just understanding the positioning to the the target the target audience, and um, obviously building out all of your marketing strategy and campaigns around that. Um, I will add that with a PLG approach, uh, you you do want to think about organic expansion within the organization, and especially if you're taking a more hybrid model like we are. You are thinking about okay, when is it that time to sort of uh, proactively look to expand within uh, a customer. So of course you do need to think about the influencers in uh, those decisions to expand and you know your more standard decision maker, the the bot the user's boss, if you will, um, and and take that into consideration, but it's it's a it's come secondary to the the end user, I'd say, as a as being your target audience. Yeah, and you spoke about expansion there. So how did this transition to product-led redefine your customer lifecycle? And what does it mean for typical marketing channels like email, paid media content, for example? Yeah, so the the customer lifecycle is, you know, it's something that is defined and and there's t- uh, in different ways at all different companies and there's different models and ways to look at it. But um, I think probably the biggest change is with, uh, when, with an enterprise sales process, with an inside sales team, Ownership of the sale itself is passed uh, to sales at a certain point, right? So, of course, marketing is nurturing those opportunities. You're then continuing to market to customers. 
Um, but there is, you know, that that ownership is is uh, sits within the sales team. That's not the case with a self service or a product led growth model. Um, so marketing and product together play a leading role across the entire customer life cycle, including that uh, point of sale. So it means that marketers need to have a much tighter grasp on that process and really stay, uh, really build out their campaigns to address every stage within that life cycle. So um, we're sort of thinking of our, our life cycle as uh, more of a flywheel approach. Um, so stages being awareness, activation, adoption, advocacy. Um, so focusing a lot more on the product within that entire life cycle. Um, and one example would be instead of using um, uh, MQL as a metric we're looking at, so marketing qualified leads, we're actually looking at something called a PQL, a product qualified lead. So with that, our, our sort of scoring model is using not just uh, more demographic or firmographic data, it's also using product data because we are looking to actually understand where is the person in their life cycle and journey with our product. Um, so that that's, a would say, a, a good example of how that can, um, how you're, you're, you can redefine your customer life cycle. And then with that, um, I think it's important to just kind of stop, reflect, look at all of the channels that you're leveraging in your marketing campaigns and rethink what are the most effective channels and what is the most effective messaging for each of them to better address those different stages, keeping in mind that the you're really putting the product at the center. So one example um, would be for content, shifting to focus your content actually more on success with the product. So I think marketers sort of, and B2B marketers tend to sort of um, turn away or shy away from talking about your product too much. With a PLG model, you need to help your customers and your users be as successful as possible with the product. So that often means sort of um, bringing the product more into your content. So whether that's video tutorials, whether it's um, even video series on how you can be successful, uh, sort of like pro tips with with the product. Um, those are those are maybe some examples of how that can. The, the change in your customer life cycle can affect your standard marketing channels and just your your approach. Yeah, that's really good to hear. And this last point can be quite challenging for, for content marketers and people working in content when your mindset has to shift from what's traditionally been a top of funnel acquisition play to success and bringing your product into it and uh, talking about your product, which is something, particularly if you grew up in the HubSpot and inbound school of marketing, it was a, mm -hmm. a bit of a no-no. So it definitely yep. requires a, a shift in mindset for, for everyone on the team. And, and following from this switch, you spoke about transitioning from funnels to flywheels. Uh, if we talk about measurement and analytics, you mentioned the introduction of PQLs, but how did this shift impact your marketing metrics and what are your new KPIs? Yeah. Um, so I'd say it's it, there's a whole different set of language uh, that we're still working to adopt within the company. Um, so 
even things like your close one rate, for example, uh, is where we've slowly but surely adopted using trial to paid. Um, so that conversion rate between an opportunity and a customer, or now in our case, a trial user to a paid, uh, a free trial user to a paid customer. Um, so there's definitely a, a shift in in certain areas and just, you know, what, even if essentially it's very similar, the language that we're using is different around the metrics we're talking about. Um, I think on, on, uh, on the marketing front, uh, we are looking much more closely on actually website traffic uh, and conversion rate on the website since with the self-service model, that is the driver. Um, so instead of you know a more 50-50 split between our outbound, our outbound and inbound strategy uh, for the self-service sales, uh, um, sales channel, it's entirely coming from the website. So we are definitely looking at website traffic on a larger company level, not just within the marketing team um, and conversion rate. Um, trial signups. So instead of just looking at demo requests on our website, we're actually looking at the, the trial users in our product. Um, after the trial, then we're diving in more to product metrics. So I'm actually looking at um, metrics like percentage of PQL. So the percentage of the trial users we're bringing in that are using the product, they're active in the product, they're showing that they, um, you know, they're, they're finding value there to make sure that I'm bringing in the right types of people. Um, I'm also looking at things like um, the, the actual number of days they're in the trial, the percentage of people who are coming back multiple times within the trial. Um, so really product related uh, data, which is definitely not something I was looking at before uh, within the team. And we're, we're even using that data within our marketing campaigns. Um, uh, and another, you know, kind of, I guess, lower in the funnel, looking at that trial to paid conversion rate. Uh, so again, that's, I guess, similar to your closed one rate, but um, as I mentioned before, marketing and product together are really owning that that uh, that metric. So that's another one I'm looking at daily. Uh, and revenue at the end of the day. I think something for me, um, I've always been very revenue minded. Uh, but with a PLG model, your team, your marketing team has a much more direct impact on revenue and uh, much sort of um, stronger ownership, I'd say. so. Um, Revenue is another one I'm looking at. Yeah, nice. And sales and marketing alignment has always been super important in a traditional sales-driven go-to-market model. But what did this change from sales-led to product-led mean in terms of product and marketing alignment and your relationship with the product team? Uh, yeah, so I, I would say that marketing in a PLG model, marketing and product need to have as close-knit of a relationship as marketing and sales does in a strictly enterprise model. Um, so that might mean sort of a familiar uh, tension that uh, that you tend to experience between marketing and sales. Um, I think it's a good tension. Um, there's going to be, especially early on in this transition, there will be a lot of questions in ownership uh, over different areas, different initiatives, different metrics. 
um, and just, you know, a, a sort of process and alignment on objectives between the marketing and product teams. Uh, with a product-led approach, you're really, you're really uh, kind of exercising all areas of the business within the product itself. So the product is not just the product. The product is uh, is marketing. It's marketing to the user. It's also selling the user. So the product team needs to sort of, uh, I'd say, create really good processes between marketing and and, and sales and whichever teams you you are are working with uh, support teams, for example to integrate a lot of the initiatives within the way the product works. Um, so I'd say it's important to, to really, if you know, if you're coming from an enterprise model, really think about that relationship in the same way. So focusing on communication, making sure there is, you're creating as much transparency as possible between those teams, really focusing on building trust uh, and, and establishing common goals between the marketing and product team. I think that um, if, if you're able to, to, to do that, then you'll see it's you know, a much smoother process, but it definitely will be a process. Just like I think with any marketing and sales relationship, it's an ongoing process to, um, to strengthen. Yeah. And going back to the sales and marketing alignment side of the coin, how did this change the relationship then with your sales team? Since there can be pushback as people think becoming product led might mean you don't really need a sales team anymore. Yeah. I think this is probably one of the biggest uh, concerns raised when the, when a company is considering moving to a product led motion Um I think it really depends on the company. I'd say if you're like us and you did have an enterprise structure in place, you will likely need that sales team. You know, I don't, it's unlikely that instantly you're not going to need that role within the company. Um, And I actually think sales plays a very important role in the transition process. Um, so I, I would say uh, working with your sales team and, and working to get buy-in from sales leaders, but also just you know the team as, as a whole, positioning it to them as they are acting as advisors in this process. Because as I said before, your product is no longer just you know a product used for the specific use case that it's meant for. It's also meant to market. It's also meant to sell. So who better to advise on how to sell within the product than your sales team? So I think working with your sales team as um, almost sort of like a consultant and advisor as you work to build out, uh, build out your product and build out the structure around, um, around it that they, they can understand the value that they're bringing. Um, they can bring, of course, a lot of value in that process and making sure that this transition is successful. And, uh, you know, as, as the, that is, begins to be built out, uh, I think that's when you start to think about things like, what does that handoff look like between the self-service and a more sales-assisted process? So that's actually something we're thinking a lot about right now. And I'm working closely with our sales team to create a very scalable and streamlined process between 
identifying the, the users that are coming in for a free trial who are happy with the product, but that also have an opportunity for a more typical enterprise um, offering and solution that, that we have, and also that those, those users that might prefer that, because you will still have the users that come in that try the product, but at the end of the day, they want and need to speak with a salesperson. So I think um, building out those processes as well for a more sales assisted um, uh, funnel uh, and working closely with the sales team on that uh, it will ultimately put you in the best place because you'll get buy-in, of course, from, from that team. And um, I think that's the best way to make it be successful. Yeah. And if we think about your marketing team and your setup, how did this change impact your team roles, responsibility, and the overall marketing org? Yeah. Um, so great question. I think when you're looking to make this change, it's or when you're in the you know the midst of it, it is important to pause and really rethink the roles that you have on the team. Also the knowledge and the background. Um, you might realize that you're missing some knowledge and you do want to bring that in. So um, it's definitely a point to, to pause and consider. Uh, for us, I, I, we, we really looked at the channels that we're leveraging. Um, we realized that we wanted to put a larger focus on paid channels, on email, um, and also in, in just our, our strategy and approach within the different areas. So I talked a bit about content before, but with a, a product-led growth approach, the content you're producing is, um, it's different. It's definitely a bit more product-focused. Uh, so trying to sort of rethink the responsibilities within the existing roles that you have and make sure that uh, the focus is put on the right areas to best support this sort of new customer life cycle that you have. Um, and, and it also might even mean bringing in new roles. So one example on our team is uh, we created a director of growth role. Uh, I think growth teams in general is something that's very commonly talked about when you're thinking about PLG. Um, growth is an interesting function, uh, can kind of sit in, in between a lot of different teams and that's because it's meant to. So for us, growth is, a, a marketing role, but works very, very, very closely with product. Um, so it almost kind of sits between marketing and product. And also, uh, we have actually a task force that, uh, has our director of growth, um, someone from our product team, someone from our BI or business intelligence team and a developer um, to sort of lead those initiatives. Cool. Yeah, that's really good to hear. And finally, what are some of the things then that shouldn't change when you go from sales-led to product-led? Yeah. Um, so I think it, it feels for a while when you make this transition that everything is changing uh, because it, it almost is. Uh, a lot is. Um, I think two things, uh, one more marketing related, one more company-wide related. So first, um, I, I think unless you're doing a very significant rebrand, that your brand should really stay the same. Uh, you might be telling stories 
through different channels in a slightly different way, but the essence of who you are as a company and what you're, you know, what you represent um, in the landscape, I think you should stay true to. Uh, you don't want, you know, to lose sight of the foundation that you have built uh, for your brand. And I think that can also just kind of maintain a sense of consistency through a pretty, um, a pretty big shift and transition. Um, and then the second being just, uh, I think that your team, so not necessarily, you know, like I said, you might need to bring in new roles, you might need to shift responsibilities. Um, but make sure that you're paying attention to your, 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 your team, how you work together. Um, you know, the same things that your same company values that you have, don't lose sight of those. I think it's more important than ever when you're making a big transition to make sure that you are prioritizing your, you know, your team and your company values. Yeah, those are really, really good points as well to consider that not everything has to change. Some things do still stay the same. And Hilary, I have to say this was super good and we could now move to our closing questions and our fast five challenge. So to wrap things up, I will ask five questions and all you need to do is answer as quickly as possible. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. First question. What is the one book you would recommend others to read? Uh, Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Cool. Second question. A SaaS company you love and why? Uh, so I'm I'm a huge Slack fan. Uh, I think we're talking about PLG. Slack is probably one of the biggest uh, success stories with a product-led growth approach. I think that their branding is genius. It's incredibly universal, but also incredibly um, really relatable at the same time, which is very difficult to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Third question, favorite place to learn about marketing online? So I actually love podcasts. <laughs> I know we're, we're on one now, but um, truly I, I I really love, uh, for me, it's the easiest way while I'm out about moving uh, to be able to absorb as much new knowledge as I can. Um, I, of course, will have to recommend the growth hub, uh, but I <laughs> well, also love uh, OpenView Builds. Uh, OpenView Build is gr- a great, great resource if you're thinking about product-led growth. Um, and Staster also love. Yeah, that's great. And this is the first time anyone has given a shout out and recommended this podcast on the <laughs> podcast for that question. So thank you so much. This just made my day. Uh, fourth question, most important growth metric. Uh, active users. That has become our North Star metric as a company. So not just new customers, not just revenue, but people that are using our product that are happy with our product. Nice. And fifth and final question, best piece of advice for fellow marketers? I'd say uh, never settle with what you know. Um, Continue to ask questions, continue to learn. If there's one thing that I think uh, is true about marketing, it's that it never stays the same. And with technology, that is, there's really no sign of that changing and it's only going to accelerate. So, being a marketer is being uh, in, um, a student, a forever student, I'd say. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Hillary, I have to say this was awesome. And thank you so much for coming on the Growth of Podcast. Thank you. It was a great time. Thanks so much for having me. 
That was Hilary Kay on how to evolve your marketing strategy from a sales-led enterprise model to a product-led hybrid model. So thank you so much for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd love for you to leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And as ever, you're always welcome to reach out to me on Twitter at Nordic Edward or connect on LinkedIn. So thank you so much for listening to the Growth of Podcast brought to you by growth marketing agency, Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out advancedb2b.com for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are